I'm Dr. Kimberly Manning. And this is Dr. Ashley McMullen. And you're listening to the Human Doctor Podcast, where we explore the human side of medicine, along with teaching, living, learning, and all things in between. Using the power of storytelling, conversation, and connectedness. Hey, we're two dope academic internal medicine doctors, but we ain't your doctors. So if you perceive anything we say here as medical advice, no, it ain't that. Also, the things we say, they only reflect our brilliant black woman magic mind and not our employers. You could have been anywhere, y'all, but you chose to be here with us and we appreciate you. Let's Let's go. go. Well, good afternoon, world famous superstar from ACP. You know, my people were shooting me text messages. (laughs) They said your girl is up here killing it. Wow. in, In Chicago. I'm like, what is she saying? They're like, what is she, what is she not saying? So I just would like to start off by um, telling you, I'm proud of you. Oh, thank you. I'm proud of you. And I really am like bummed that I was not in the crowd to like fully embarrass you. As, <laughs> I would have been like that auntie with the um, pan and a, and a, like a spatula. Yeah. Hey, baby, baby, baby. That's my sister. That's my little sister. <laughs> Oh man. Yeah. Now you were there in spirit for, for show, but fun, funny story. Uh, actually, I don't know if you, um, know Saganesh. Oh yeah. 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 She was one of our um, storytellers for black voices. Yeah. So she was at ACP and we, uh, so ACP kind of had like a hybrid virtual situation for attendees so they could live stream some of the talks. Mm -hmm. And so our talk was live streamed and so she was actually in her hotel live streaming the talk. She didn't know that I was speaking. Then she saw my name. She said she ran out of her hotel room, like to the <laughs> conference center, like came in the audience. And oh my God. The, the part of my talk where I referenced the nocturnist black voices in healthcare, she starts like waving her arms. And um, yeah, she she hyped me up quite a bit afterwards. So shout out to, to my oh girl. Gosh. Can I yes. just say that she held it down? Uh-huh. For the crazy older sister who would have definitely been up in the air. Clown. Yeah. Yeah. She represented. Uh, <laughs> I love black people. Thank you for that. Yes. Likewise. <laughs> what were you talking about? Humanism and medicine. What else? Come all the way through with yeah. humanism and medicine. Yeah. It was a, it was a good time. I, you know, I always got to talk myself down from the ledge anytime I'm about to give a presentation, but you know, it was really good. I really appreciated the feedback from the audience and the participation and the moderator, uh, Vanessa Van Doren, who's actually an Emory resident. Yes, Vanessa. You know what? That was another thing somebody told me. I'm so proud of her too. Mm -hmm. Just, you know, people talk the talk Mm -hmm. and some people like walk the walk. They do the thing. Yeah. Yeah. She does the thing. Shout out to, shout out to Vanessa. Yeah. Shout out to Vanessa. Uh, Did you learn anything? You know, I should, I should, I just came back from this amazing conference. Um, probably one of my favorite talks was the food is medicine talk. Just a lot of really good data supporting the fact that really we need to be counseling our patients better on cutting back um, or cutting out processed meats, especially, you know, not everybody's going to be able to go fully plant-based, but just recognizing that there's some pretty like significant links, not only between those foods and cancer, but also like 
diabetes and other issues. And so I think expanding our, our counseling around the, the, <laughs> the ill effects of, of meat and recognizing that there are other sources of protein. Yeah, if you can see all the faces that I'm making. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> well, let me say this. For yeah. the most part, I am an edutarian. I'm on the edge of being a vegetarian. Mm-hmm. I, I, I can definitely enjoy a meal that does not have an animal-based protein in it. I just don't like thinking that hard about food. Yeah. Now, I'm a person who eats to live. I do not live to eat, particularly eating vegetarian. I, I can I can usually do that pretty well. But when it comes to eating vegan, I've, I've struggled. Now, now, before anybody who is vegan, who is listening to this, starts to like blow up my inbox and tell me all <laughs> the easy ways in Atlanta that I can be a, a vegan, I absolutely believe you. And um, I received that. And, you know, the Lord is working on me. Okay. <laughs> You know what else? So actually on that same um, line at the Academic Alliance of Internal Medicine, um, um, Academic Internal Medicine Week, there was a talk by uh, Renee Salas. Uh, hopefully I'm saying her name right. I might be saying it wrong on climate change and how it has impacted healthcare mm. and how it impacts our patients. And it was, it was, it was so convicting. I think that's a good way to put it. Mm. She like just connected how everything has happened, you know, like for example, the heat wave in, in Portland, Oregon, and what it took for that to happen. And just a lot of stuff. It was, it was really both great and thoughtful and terrifying. Wow. Yeah. yeah. I mean, so. yet another example of how good healthcare cannot be separate from social justice and environmental justice. Listen. Okay. I have one other little quick thing that I learned. Um, yes, please. If you've taken care of any patients who have experienced a stroke or a CVA of some sort, mm -hmm. uh, depending upon the location of the CVA or stroke, the person can sometimes have a post uh, stroke related hiccups, which can be very disabling to patients. And as you know, I've been helping to support a loved one who has experienced a stroke and um, hiccups has been a big, big part of like one of the things that they're dealing with. And I reached out to a lot of really smart friends who are neurologists. Cause I'm like, why am I just looking this up? Why am I just <laughs> call all these smart people I know? So like between the people I know at Emory and like my network through med Twitter, yeah. I reached out to a few people who gave me some really thoughtful advice. So we were always traditionally taught that the first line therapy is Thorazine, right? So we always yep. hear about Thorazine. Thorazine is very sedating. And other options besides Thorazine, um, one in particular can be gabapentin. Mm. Baclofen's another option. Yeah. Um, and I guess I just always thought about Thorazine, you know, and that, and that was it. And I, I think I'd heard about baclofen before, but it was just nice to know that there are some other options. And also that oftentimes the hiccups related to a stroke over time, they remit. So okay, something I learned because yeah. I, I ain't no neurologist. Exactly. All right, sis. Well, you know, it is my favorite week because <laughs> you are going to be sharing a story. Tell us what's the what. The what today, my friends, is acknowledgement. Acknowledgement. Okay. Yeah, Coming with some good words. All right. Yeah, we're going to start by acknowledging that Mahalia is... <laughs> extra fierce today. I should have opened with that. I was so hyped about you speaking to ACP, but y'all, I will not spend a lot of time on it. I'm just going to tell you that 
it was a very, it was a tiny twist out that then she took a loose. It's very crinkly, neat puffs. I'm here for it. Can I briefly acknowledge my stylist? Oh, uh, no, I thought you did it. You, this is not an Ashley. No, 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 no. This is an Ashley twist out, but okay. it was my stylist who recommended some different products. Cause the last time I was in there, I was ready to drop some serious cash because they sell these like salon grade products. And I was just like, I need something that's going to give me a better twist out. I need a twist out that's going to last me more than like 45 minutes after I spent four hours twisting my hair. She pulled out her phone. It was just like, this is actually what you need. She's oh, like, snap. a little hard to find though, which was code for you need to go to the Hood Beauty Supply store. Hey. Hey, so. and let me tell you something, the Hood Beauty Supply, in addition to getting some good hair products, you're going to get some lipstick that if you put it on your mouth, it's not coming off for four <laughs> days. <laughs> and you're going to get some earrings that are going to be shoulder dusters. Yes, this is the, the combination of some shine and jam. No. And yes. <laughs> I kid I'm you not. Nine dollars. I'm about to say it probably costs 99 cents. <laughs> That's what's up. That's what's up. Well, you know what? Shout out to uh, to the community establishments that provide us with the things that we need for our Afrocentric looks and accoutrement. Amen. I digress. So yes. we uh, let, let, let's talk about acknowledgement. OK, yes. the, the word is acknowledgement. Um, what do you think of when you hear that word? Mm, I think of affirmation. I think mm-hmm. of taking time to be present and make visible something that needs to be brought to folks attention. I like All it. Right. I like All right. It. That's why, that's why I hang with you. Cause you smart like that. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So this is something that happened to me very recently. <clears throat> uh, so, you know, um, as, as you grow older and um, as you live life, you start to have more experiences and some of those experiences involve things with your loved ones. And um, I have made reference to the fact that I have a loved one um, who is, who has been dealing with the healthcare system right now in a very significant way due to a stroke. Mm -hmm. And when I'm ever in any sort of situation with my loved ones, um, particularly a hospital setting, I always have this little space I'm in when I encounter uh, a healthcare worker, a fellow physician of trying to decide when do I acknowledge that I'm a, I'm, I'm a doctor. Mm-hmm. When, when do I say that? And how do I say that? Is there a way to say it so that you don't sound like self-important or like, you know, you clowning or something like that? Is there a time statute like on the limitations where you should like say something where they've been talking all this time and then you pop up 20 minutes later and say, oh, you know, I'm a doctor at Emory and a whole ass professor, you know, <laughs> like, yeah. um, so you know, with, with this particular situation, I have, I had decided that, um, you know, to be my best advocate, I needed to let it be known that I'm, that I'm a physician and, and I, and and the type of physician that I am and that I I would be wanting to know things that probably were a little bit beyond what other people would want to know. And that also it would be easier for them if they talked through me so that I could explain everything to the family, but they didn't need to use lay terms or anything like that. Mm -hmm. And I have to say for the most part, um, particularly the primary um, hospitalist was great about that. You know, we had a couple of lumps and bumps along the way, but we got a groove and it was cool. Um, so um, my loved one had been in the hospital probably about five days um, and I was sitting at the bedside. It was late in the um, evening on a, on a weekend day 
And this specialist comes in uh, to see my loved one. And when they walk in, they come to talk to me about some, some very important things related to a complication um, yeah. that this person had. So we, and, and it doesn't actually matter what the person was there for. The, the fact is this was an important person for my loved one to see. And I was glad they were there, but it was late. So we're talking and the person, it starts, this doctor starts talking and probably about, I don't know, about a minute and a half in, they're using terms that are very, very, very basic, like yeah. really, really basic terms. Now, at this point, again, my loved one's been in the hospital for like about five days. So the staff know me, everybody knows me, the nurses, the, the primary doctors, everything. And this was not the first day that this person has seen my loved one, but it was their first time seeing me. Mm-hmm. So midway through the conversation, I just sort of stopped and said, um, hey, you know what? I'm actually, I'm a, I'm a physician. I'm an academic internist at Emory in Atlanta. I've been there more than 20 years. And I'm more saying that to say that um, you could just, you know, use, you know, medical terminology and um, almost speak to me as if you are talking to the hospitalist in care of um, the patient. And this person looked at me and said, oh, oh, I know you're a doctor. Huh. I I didn't know what to do with that. So they continued to talk the way they were talking before. And I, I, I commenced to ask, yes. Are they, are they talking to your loved one or talking to you or both? So it starts off with them talking sort of at both of us. Okay. My loved one is tired and has Mm -hmm. had something that was sedating. So um, I said, you can just talk to me. Yeah. And I'll relay everything. Gotcha. And it had been a long day. I had been sitting at that bedside for probably six, seven hours at this point. Mm. Um, and this was a person I was waiting to talk to. But every time I said something, <clears throat> they cut me off. And, and really every concern I had, they patted it on the head um, and acted like it was stupid. Finally, I, I, I was just like, listen, I, I, I think some of the things that I'm bringing up are like really these are, these are valid concerns. I'm not asking these questions because this is my loved one. I'm actually asking this in the context of me as, you know, a straight up internal medicine nerd who, who has like real questions about this that I would have for any patient I'm caring for. And they just kept everything at like this 30,000 foot view where they like would not like going, would never relate to me as a, as a fellow physician. And um, it was infuriating. It was hurtful. It was scary. And then, you know, on top of it, this person had racial concordance with me, Mm. did not have gender concordance with me. And if you are saying, what does she mean by that? They was black and it was a dude. (laughs) (laughs) My brother hates when I do that. He's like, just say they was black and it was a man. (laughs) Um, Anyway. And I I, I was like, wow, you know what? Why can't I get you to, to click together and acknowledge that you are talking to um, a peer in medicine? You know, and I, it'd be different if I was, you know, a, like an a intern or something, like really super young. I've been here for, I, I even acknowledge the amount of time that I've been in medicine and it never quite clicked. And um, the person even made reference to if su- such and such thing had been dealt with before the person came into the hospital, we probably wouldn't have been in this situation, but that's neither here nor there. 
So I looked at the person who was a bit older than me, probably by about 10 years. So I said, do, do you have children? And this person was like, I do have children. I have three children. And they start telling me about their children. I was like, okay. And are your children adults or like, yeah, my children are adults. They start telling me what their children do and everything. And I said, um, you know, I really hope that, you know, God forbid you're ever in a situation where you're too tired to talk for yourself and your loved one is sitting at the bedside as a highly educated advocate. I really hope the doctor who walks into the room to talk to your um, loved one talks to them differently than the way you're talking to me. And it just flew over this person's head. They just kind of chuckled and said, oh, well, you know, if it's up to me, I try to do everything outpatient. I really, I'm a person who doesn't even come into the hospital. I don't like coming into the hospital. So the only time I got any acknowledgement though, was when at some point the, this person looked at me and figured out about how old I was and asked me if I knew somebody, if I knew a couple people. Mm -hmm. Now, sidebar, if you are a black person and you are in the highly educated doctors and lawyers world, and you know people, for some people, that then changes everything. So I knew, I knew some people. I had a few things about me that gave me, you know, I guess that moved me to a different level of conversation then. Oh, you know, I know people in the National Medical Association. Oh, oh, I know this person here. Oh, oh, oh do you, have you, do you know Stacy? Do you know? Cause we, you know, we, we, we call on her by her first name instead of Stacy Abrams, her whole name. We, do you know Stacy? Do you know this person? So when I get through the turnstile for, uh, for, for a couple of those things, suddenly we in a whole different conversation. It's warm and fuzzy. You asking me, oh, you know, we should, we, let me get your contact information for, you know, when we have the NMA and, and, you know, I have to say, I was not here for it. <laughs> I was like, <laughs> to say the least. yeah, I wasn't, I wasn't here for it. And, and, and mm -hmm. let me say this, you know, this is not about me trashing another individual. I do not know what was going on with that person. That person mm -hmm. could have, they could have a sick loved one. Mm -hmm. They could have been not the person on call and got called to come in. I don't know all the details of what happened. What I do know is I didn't like how that felt. Yeah. I didn't like it. I didn't like mm -hmm. how that felt. And I am absolutely certain that at some point there has been somebody at a bedside, even if they weren't a doctor, who was trying to talk to me with the same fervor that I was trying to talk to this person. Yeah. And, and I was probably in my own head and selfish and trying to figure out how to get up out of there and answer, you know, the basic questions that I needed to, to answer and keep it pushing. And so the biggest aha moment for me that I'm taking away from this is I will never forget how that felt. I will never forget how after sitting at that bedside all day, all into the evening, how it felt to have this person come in and, and really just trivialize our concerns and even worse, make a reference to what we should have done to keep this from happening. It was, it was, it was the antithesis of humanism. Mm -hmm. It was everything, the opposite of probably what you talked about at ACP and I won't forget it. And my patients will get better care as a result of that. Yeah. Now I hear all that, you know, not, not the same experience, but, you know, I've talked a lot about being in the hospital with my grandmother and how eye-opening that was. It was both infuriating, but also very humbling. 
And, you know, after the, the talk also, you know, just thinking about like, you know, what, what makes it so hard to be humanizing in medicine? I'm, I'm curious, like thinking about, you know, the amount of posturing that goes into medicine, particularly our training and like that need to, to look good. <laughs> if you can't humanize a colleague until, you know, you know, that they know Stacey Abrams, like <laughs> what, what, what happened there? What happened to you? I don't know, right? <laughs> It's crazy. Like, you know, and I will say that the other thing that I, and I've thought about this before, but I think it was really thrown into relief by this situation is there's something that um, I've always referred to as love's myopic view and Mm. love's myopic view is where, you know, your grandmother as your grandmother, you know, her as your grandfather's wife, you know, her as this person who helped raise you. Who, who had her garden and who used to wrap you in hugs and who smelled a certain way and who sounded a certain way, you, 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 you see one thing. So when you walk into the bedroom uh, or to the, to the bedside, that is who you see. Mm-hmm. But the doctors, they don't see that. Yeah. They see a patient on a list. And um, in this case, an elderly person with a lot of the complications that elderly people can have not a t-ball coach and a a person who like helps you with math and a person who's a mentor and a person who tells really good jokes and a person um, who's loved by a family or you know a person who can do macrame I don't know all the things we know about our um, our loved ones that that other people miss and when I'm in the hospital there I have to say I do try very hard to spend enough time with the patient and their loved ones so that I can get a glimpse of love, love's myopic view. Mm. And I couldn't, I couldn't get this particular person to, to, to meet me there. And at first I thought I wanted them to meet me there as a physician. Um, but, but what I think now that I was looking for was human to human, yeah, loved one to loved one, person who cares about somebody to person who cares about somebody. Mm. And I just wish that there could have been some acknowledgement and, and it stung even more that we had racial concordance. Yeah. That's, that, that made it, that was the extra little knife turn yeah. um, in it, but I refuse to take those things personally. Mm-hmm. Um, I instead take it. I strap it on my back and I say, I'm not, I, I'm going to do everything I can um, to take care of myself and, um, and to try to get myself to a space that when I walk into a room of somebody, especially somebody at the bedside that's been waiting for me, yeah. um, that I give them something different than what I got that night. Amen. Yeah. I think for me, having gone through that situation, the, the thing that I took away and from hearing your story as well, because um, I used to get so upset when I used to get those pages at the end of the day when you're trying to sign out when it says family is at the bedside and they want to talk, I will never, ever roll my eyes again or tell them I'll be back tomorrow ever again. And half the time they, half the time they would even be happy to talk to you by phone. Yeah. But a little goes a long way. Absolutely. If you had just come in and been nice, (laughs) (laughs) it's been nice, you know, just on the bright side, Shout out to uh, the hospitalist who um, started off lumpy, mm-hmm. but course corrected. Yeah. Lumpy in terms of the interactions with um, the family. 
um, and, and how to like tell the family what's going on and, and help us to feel safe. Um, and, and that and that person too taught me something that, you know, we can come in one way, but we can course correct. I love that. Yeah. I mean, as y'all heard on our last episode, we are far from perfect. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> but yeah, no, course correct and, and make a difference. You know, we were celebrating what would have been the 29th birthday of a resident that we lost in December. Mm. And this is an individual who particularly embodied a lot of what we talk about when it comes to humanism and medicine. And one of their co-residents got up to, to talk about them. And one of the things that she said that I really love was, you know, you don't know what kind of impact you can have simply by caring. Mm. That's beautiful. Yeah. That's beautiful. Yeah. And you don't know what kind of impact you can have by being indifferent. Amen. Yeah. Cause you can, that, that can be the thing that keeps people awake at night. Mm-hmm. And because we have a podcast where we can unpack it, we know what it is, but there are a lot of people who just don't know what it is. They just feel anxious and they're like something about this. I don't feel safe about it. Yeah. So, so, you know, hopefully everybody who uh, went to the ACP and who has access to the videos and go back and listen to Dr. Ashley McMullen talking about humanism so that they do not walk into somebody's room and cut them off and not see them. And if y'all didn't shell out a couple thousand dollars for ACP, then just hit me up via email. I'll send you the slides anyway. <laughs> but hey, it's all, it's all good. It's all good. We all want to be acknowledged. And that's just a fancy way of saying that everybody at their core wants to be seen. Mm everybody at their core. And um, if it is anything that you need to be whole and to be right, to fly on two wings instead of one, it is when you are in a space with another human being, particularly in a difficult time, you just need to be seen. So I I vow to do better at seeing people, seeing not just patients, but the people who love them and to work harder at at seeing um, them through love's myopic view. Likewise. Well, sis, I want to say that I acknowledge you and I see you and I am so grateful to share this space with you and I love you. Well, I love you too. And I love Mahalia and her new products. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) And uh, though I said it once before, it bears repeating. I'm so, so proud of you. And low key, I may be one of those people emailing you for the slides. (laughs) (laughs) I got you. (laughs) All right, girl, make it the best week. That wraps up this week's episode of the Human Doctor Podcast. Special thanks to our favorite brother gastroenterologist, Dr. Chuma Obiname for the beats. Shout out to the Dr. Ashley McMullen for editing and production. Mad love to our podcast family at The Nocturnist and the Clinical Problem Solvers, our med Twitter fam. And especially shout out to all of you, our listeners. Until next week, remember, we see you and you are enough. Holla! Holla.